This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. It's like you got to just draw this line because being the cool, permissive parent when it comes to partying, it doesn't usually bode well over the long haul. And the research shows it doesn't bode well over the long haul. And bad things can happen. So it's really about you drawing your boundary about what's okay and not okay for your family and particularly in your household. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our latest November sitting down with Dr. Dan bonus episode. I'm here with our awesome podcast producer and mom of twins, Laura, to answer all of your questions. Thank you for sending them in. We take them every month. We read them every month. You send them to Facebook, Twitter, now X, Instagram, or email us at podcast at drdanpeters.com. Phil, of course, is with us in the virtual studio. Hello, Phil, from behind the scenes. And Laura, hi. <laughs> hi, Dr. Dan. Hi, Phil. So it's November. It's really cold in New England. Um, I'm sipping some tea, which is off to the side here. Dan can't see it, neither I, I cannot. any of our listeners. No. Um, I have a new batch of listener questions. And before I get into them, I just want to say that I love that our listeners are randomly emailing us questions when they are in the mood. So don't wait for my call for questions. Send them anytime. I save them and we'll put them in the queue for a future sitting down with Dr. Dan bonus episode. Anytime you have an aha, you have a, I want need to share this. I want to ask this anytime. Send them. Yes. Long or short or in between. We read them all and save them all and discuss them. And want to get your answers, uh, get answers out there to you. So um, let's get into number one. And uh, this one is an email that just came in right before the recording and uh, has a little bit of background to it. So I'm going to read through the whole thing and then let Dr. Dan um, give some feedback. Hello, Dr. Dan. I am a single mother of a 13 year old boy with past physical trauma including a traumatic brain injury and ADHD for context. This morning, I was on a work call at home and running late to wake my son up. He does have a much better start to his day when he can take his time and not rush. He woke up very grumpy because he was tired and angry because he had to rush. This all connects to some sensory challenges he has and other special needs. And what ended up happening was a tantrum, a fit, some throwing things around, slamming cupboards, etc. I'd like to know what is an appropriate rule or boundary I can set for when he reacts like this. I want to acknowledge his challenges while also holding him accountable so that he can learn better strategies 
to cope with overstimulation and anger and the unexpected. One thing I thought about was telling him to leave his electronics in the kitchen at night so he's not tempted to use them. Uh, before I have Dan answer, I'm just going to read the ending of the email because it's really lovely. Dr. Dan, thank you for reading. I want to let you know how grateful I am to have heard about your podcast. You are so wise and you speak with empathy and patience. I appreciate you speaking about many different topics, especially ones involving older kids. Thank you. And I, I left the name off because I didn't have time to reach out to this emailer to find out if she wanted us to say her name. So we could always go back and give her a shout out on a future yes. episode. Well, thank so you. That is so kind, so kind and affirming. So thank you very much. And um, we empathize with you. Um, teenager, single parent, single parent of child with uh, a neurodivergent child with ADHD and sensory processing and a TBI, traumatic brain injury. So there's a lot going on for your child and, of course, for you as a result. Um, it is that scenario that you describe in the morning, which I know is not fun, is a very common one um, for lots of teenagers, but particularly for neurodivergent teenagers when it might be hard to get up in the morning, maybe because they did not sleep well or it takes a while for their body to activate. We know that school starts earlier in most cases than the biorhythms of the teenage brain and body are um, equipped for. So those, those early starts are tough. Um, executive functioning challenges, the, like getting from one step to the next, going through the order of get up, get dressed, eat, brush teeth, get backpack, get out the door on time. That is often very stressful. When there's sensory issues, which you describe, then the clothes really matter. Um, do I wear the same clothes again? Where's my right? Where's the hat that I always like? Uh, this, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. Um, there could be a lot of uh, conflict and stress around just the, uh, the, the dress and how that feels. Um, and then we know with ADHD um, and often with traumatic brain injuries, we have a um, regulation issues, some emotional and behavioral regulation challenges, which dovetails with executive functioning. And like, how do I manage myself? How do I manage my emotions? How do I manage my behavior? Now, of course, all of this in the morning on the way to school or about to go to school, which is usually the most miserable time for a lot of kids at this age group, but then also kids where school might be difficult because of the neurodivergent challenges. So all that to say, um, I think you're, I really like your question about wanting to empathize and understand his functioning, his profile, his challenges, while also figuring out ways to set boundaries and build coping skills. Like all the elements are in this question. So the first thing that I'm thinking about is many of us were trained um, as children and then also as um, younger parents, the idea of punishment and consequence. Um, you know, we need to teach a lesson. Or if we punish them or give them a negative consequence, then there is a more, um, there is a, there's a better chance of them learning this lesson. Well, that often is not true, particularly with individuals that have 
regulation, emotional and behavior regulation issues, sensory issues, executive functioning issues, because a lot of times these are reactions that happen in the moment and they're reactions that they often um, don't feel good about. And so the idea and what is more in more modern brain-based parenting um, and co-regulation type parenting is we really want to find a way to help a child regulate as quick as possible, move through whatever they need to move through. And you're right. Um, talking to them when they are in the moment of the um, dysregulation, right? That never works. Work. Never mm -hmm. works. So, so the idea of, okay, yes, let's get out the door. Let's not um, get into a power struggle. Let's not threaten to take something away, which will just make his morning even worse and escalate his behavior more. And it's about coming back to it later. And when you come back to it, you want to be really regulated yourself and start to think about, okay, how am I going to engage with in a conversation, which is something like, hey, I was wondering if we could just, I'd really like to talk about how our day started like how our day started. We don't want to point a finger. We don't want to put someone on the defensive. And I will say often, a lot of the times, kids with ADHD are often defensive because they are they get in trouble a lot or they get negative impact a lot and they're just used to defending themselves even when they don't know what they're even defending. Like, I didn't do that. That didn't happen. I don't know what you're talking about. And so we really want to try to disarm and have this comfortable environment where you can say, I just want to talk about how our day started. And I was, it seemed like you were pretty upset this morning, you know, kind of describe the behavior. And I'm just wondering what it was like for you or what you remember. Because we also want to understand, is there any awareness is there any memory of this? Like you can't really work with something where there's not, where it hasn't been processed or you have to work with it differently if it hasn't been processed. So you try to engage in a conversation about how can we change this behavior? How can we have a better morning? And you can lead it to some solutions for and some potential triggers. So for example, hey, I'm just wondering if, electronics at night is getting in the way, right? You got to be, you got to, I'm not saying to walk on eggshells. I'm saying to be very purposeful and intentional because you're trying to keep a conversation going, not have a conversation stopper, right? Because right. teenagers are often just like waiting unconsciously waiting to just react to something triggering that a parent says, which is dumb, lame, or, um, triggering. Right. So, so try not to do that, even though we parents do it all the time. And, and then you're engaging a conversation. What ideas do you have? Where I'm, where I'm pausing here is on this first conversation, how comfortable you might feel giving feedback of, Hey, yeah. Cause when you get really angry and start throwing things, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. And, um, I don't feel I don't feel safe or um, it feels disrespectful. You guys want to I'm just saying you want to tread carefully in the first conversation because you're trying to find a way to come together with a solution without guilt and shame. However, the boundary is ultimately and it might be in the next conversation when this happens again, not if this happens again, when this happens again is, hey, I just want to follow up. The morning didn't go 
as well as we thought it could have. Again, this is the next uh, that afternoon. I'm wondering if we need to go back to it and find some other ways to um, try to help you calm down in the morning or get up in the morning or get dressed in the morning because the way it's happening, I'm not comfortable with. So now that's where you start to set a boundary. I'm not comfortable with being yelled at. I'm not comfortable with things flying across the room. And I know that part of this is difficult for you, but we really need to come together with a solution. So that's number two. Step three is when we need to do everything that we're just talking about and add a potential consequence. Because I feel it's like you don't go there first, but sometimes if it is gaming, if it is electronics, if it is like something that matters, then could be used as a tool to increase motivation for self-regulation, but not for punishment sake, because that just makes someone angry. Um, we, ha- we, we, we are really trying to engage in a conversation that is respectful and that gives information, elicits collaboration, and comes up with some sort of solution to be better or to work at it differently. Okay, I said a lot there, Laura, and I know that you um, might have some experience with teenagers in the past. Yes. And mornings. And mornings. Yes. yes. And I'm yes. silently nodding my head yeah, Yes. to all of this. I think this is one of the most important questions we've ever received because there are so many layers to how you answered it why you gave those answers. And it feels like there's some universal wisdom in there for typical as well as neurodiverse children, special needs, even, you know, a little bit of an age range. Before I get into kind of the Laura piece, I did have a question because Mm. I have sat in the seat of this mom in different ways. Um, And by the way, congratulations to you, single mom, for getting Mm -hmm. this wonderful child out the door every morning, most yeah. mornings. That is yeah. incredible. That is a marathon before like 8 a.m. I'm sure every day. I, I I get it. So my question is when you were answering um in the three steps, one of the things you talked about is what can we do right now in the moment to help regulate you? Mm. Either this is something mom is thinking silently or it, depending on the child, able to say out loud to the child. But having kind of sat across from my own version of a Dr. Dan. So how does mom come up with even one thing to help in that moment, just to get a little regulation in place Mm -hmm. so that they can continue on and then obviously follow through on your other steps. And then I, and then I will give a little bit of insight as a mom who had a 13 year old once (laughs) who had a lot of those same challenges. Yeah. So I think the first, the first thing is, focus on oneself because these situations are very Mm -hmm. dysregulating Mm -hmm. for parents. And when that happens, when we're triggered and then we're getting dysregulated, it just makes things worse because we tend to be more understandably reactive and also um, might increase the intensity of an already intense situation. So the first thing is to try to breathe and get grounded yourself 
and know that even though this is not what you desire in the morning, it's actually not a shocker because you know your child really well and you know that this happens at times. So breathe, regulate yourself, try to stay calm. And the first thing I'll say is to actually reflect back. You seem really frustrated right now. I, t I totally get you're frustrated right now. You, you actually want to validate the emotion. Now, I'm not talking about this is not if someone is assaulting you and right. totally ripping your place apart. I'm, I'm right. hearing this as sort of a kind of typical 13-year-old grumpy morning tantrum, um, which is just, it's very, um, it's, it's, it's like getting all of the energy, it's getting all the emotion out there, right? So it's very externalized. So in that case, right. I would be validating the emotion. I would try not to be triggering it to make it worse. And I'd say, I would say, is there anything I can do to help? I almost just like you're trying to get this person out the door who's dysregulated and is might be in their own brain fugue or fog right there. So again, I'm not okaying the behavior. I'm just trying to say, we got to get through it to get out the door and then deal with it later. Right. That's very helpful. And I think, again, having sat in that seat as this mom trying to seek out answers and also deal with her own emotions around this and her own reactions, just that that's like gold to hear. Okay. Here's a little bit of what you can do. And in the spirit of everything we do on our podcast, I think the idea that I've learned to do is modeling. So taking it a step further and actually maybe labeling and saying, I'm going to take a deep breath right now. Mm, I'm going yes. to count to 10. Nice. I am going to step out of the room for a minute and just collect myself so I can be the best mom for you. That is something I've learned from all of our shows, all of our guests, and especially when we get our, our listener questions and yep. You, yeah. you start us on a path that's going to lead to success, even in the hardest situation. Rewinding to what I said earlier about having been in the position of a rough morning. There are a lot of layers to it. There is um, a lot of possible delayed reaction to something maybe your son experienced a few days ago that then is fueling the tantrum and fueling that behavior, again, this is a situation we're not talking about an unsafe situation or a dangerous situation for either the child or the mom, but more of a typical tantrum and somebody blowing off steam. But doing that modeling, calming things down, approaching later when the situation um, is not active has, some, has always helped us. And I think knowing... I, I guess I'd say, mom, even though you know this in your maybe intellectual part of you, try to remember in your heart that the last thing your son wants to be doing is acting like that mm -hmm. and realizing it's yeah. a cry for help. It's the behavior is a symptom of something he is struggling with. It This is not excusing it, but just checking yourself and reminding yourself. and. The last bit of wisdom I will give now that my twins are 20 and I've had those mornings with my typical twin as well as my neurotypical um, child who, you know, is a special needs kiddo. This changes. So the 13 year old experience in the morning is not going to be the same 
at 15, 14, 16, or 17. So weather the storm. And um, the great thing is raising kids is a dynamic adventure and it, it will change, but you are coming from such a place of love and respect. And this yes. question is just so, yep. I found it beautiful. It's, it's filled with love and caring and also purpose. And um, it just, it really touched my heart that mom yeah. is, is really wanting advice and to do the right thing. So yes, I'm clapping. I don't want yes. to blow out the ears of our listeners. Yes. So we I just, send yeah. you goodness. And the other thing is everyone has kid issues in the morning, right? Even the, the, the most yes. motivated gets up with the alarm. Things are going to happen. It's part of childhood. It's part of their developing brain. Again, I'm not a doctor, but it it's kind of just teens in the house stuff. So yes. Yes. doing a great job, mom. You are. So that, wow, that was great. And your answer was, I'm going to listen to this carefully again, because I, I, I learned more about just dealing with things in the moment. So life advice. The second question, we're only on number two. This one came in from social media. This is also a heavy one. Dr. Dan, do you think kids are less involved in formal religion these days? It seems like our family is the only family regularly attending church and our middle schoolers complain about this every weekend. Mm -hmm. So that is a really interesting question. Um, I will say, I guess I'm going to have to generalize here. I would say, so it depends on the family. And I would think it depends on the community. And it de depends on what seems to be like regions of our country, which I think there are some areas that tend to be more focused on religion than others. This is a gross generalization. I will say a few things. Um, middle schoolers not wanting to go to church or synagogue or other uh, religious place of worship, very common at that, that phase of life. Like, don't make me do this. I don't want to do this, and I just want to be with my friends, and I just want to be with everyone else. So that that is very common. I'll also say our culture is tending to be more and more, what's the word? Um, less formal. <laughs> it's more and more less formal, right? Um, so when it comes to rituals and traditions and religion, I feel like things are changing. It's, again, I'm just speculating here, right? It's just... Some of the um, the paradigms that we all grew up with are are changing. People aren't called been called Mister and Mrs. anymore. They're called you call your parent your friends parents for, by their first name, and so I do feel there is something that is going on with a um, movement towards casualness from formality, um, and. I do think in, in our area, it just depends on, it depends on the family. And again, it depends on the community. There are still lots of families that very religiously um, go to church or synagogue. And I know lots that no longer, um, and sometimes the parents don't even want to go anymore. And sometimes they just have to figure out which battles to have with their kids. So I do, I can see there being a trend, but it's just hard to know. I agree. I, I think I would answer in the exact 
same way. And when I read this question initially, my first thought was the idea around families have different traditions, families have different rules, families have different schedules, and this is what our family does. And this is me probably quoting something that Dan said on a previous episode. (laughs) So this is not Laura wisdom. This is more of me conjuring topics we've talked about in the past on all of our podcast episodes about whether it's social media, having a phone, having technology in your room at night. Um, It feels like similar to me. Yeah. You know, what I'll, what I'll say also reflecting on my past um, religious experiences is I remember in middle school being very, like, hating, hating going to temple. And I was really upset about having to miss uh, social things and just not understanding why we did it. And I remember a conversation with my dad, where I said, you know, I'm really, I really don't know why we do this. And, you know, asking those teenager why, why questions, but there was meant from, I really wanted to know. And it was so refreshing when he said, you know what? I actually don't know. I just know that (laughs) we've been doing this for a long time. It's been in the family. And I, some of what you're asking, I really don't know beyond that's just what we've always done. And I just felt so validated that it was i it wasn't in that moment about doing it or not doing it it was just about being kind of validated for am i just nuts here or are we just doing things maybe without thinking or why do i have to do something that i'm not into right now like why am i being made to do this and i think that's probably where more of the issue comes from is kids being heard for what their beliefs are and it's hard when they're not our same beliefs and we know that a lot of times kids veer from our beliefs um, as they get older, and many of them go back later. Um, and so these are these are places in life where I just feel we have to really be aware of what's pulling on them and what they're thinking, and ideally engage in an interesting conversation with curiosity about where their struggle is. I'm sh- I'm so glad you shared that story. Your dad sounds cool. I'm not surprised because Dr. Dan yeah. is cool, but um, yeah, that's reframing it in a, in a really interesting way because part of it now sounds to me a bit like developmental questioning yes. the why questions and, For sure. and wanting to figure things out. And again, the honest answer, the fact that you remember that all these yes. years later is a, it's like kind of a living example of, tell your kids the truth and explain some of the values and things that matter in our family are because of X, Y, and Z. Yes. And, and that, I th- that's the legacy that you want to leave. You know, that's the footprint you want to leave that later, you know, if you're one of your children questioned you or you and your wife were talking about some of the same things, I'm sure that is where you could draw some information from, even if you didn't, weren't conscious of it, that you also. Oh yeah, things. that definitely. So yeah, that was 40 years ago, that conversation about 40 years ago. And it's so fresh. And of course, uh, I was the on the parent of similar kinds of conversations with our kids, you know, different, right. but similar. And I Blame definitely took, mm-hmm. took from that conversation that I had and my feelings that I had at that age and really tried to 
hone in on those as opposed to being in my parent role and what I thought I was supposed to say. You know, we right. have that pressure to be a parent and uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Just being real with our kids goes yeah, far. It does. And particularly with things that matter, like our traditions or, you know, our spiritual education. Yes. Values. So great. Question number three keeps us in middle school, like question number two. And it says, Dr. Dan, our middle school son told us that he and his friends are not into reading. This has us freaking out. In fact, we've seen some of this sentiment on social media. Help. Okay, first of all, we're going to take some deep breaths and we are not going to freak out. Not uncommon for a middle schooler to not want to read. Um, we do know that reading has changed over the past decade with technology. Um, studies show that eyes now, people of all ages, kids and adults, eyes just bounce around a screen to kind of get the gist of information and move on. And a lot of people aren't reading every word. And we have this, we have a very visual society now with all of the multimedia that's coming with gaming, that's coming with graphic novels, was coming with um, basically all the different social media and the way that um, reels and all the different other modalities that are out there. And so it's not necessarily easy to get a middle schooler just to sit down and read without distraction, which I know is concerning in and of itself, but it tends to be more of a societal problem. Um, than an actual child problem, with the exception if you have a child that has an undiagnosed reading uh, difference or reading disability, those kids do not like to read because it's hard for them, whether they have an underlying visual processing issue where things are blurry or the words or letters bounce around the page. Um, so these are things to think about if your child has a history of really being a reluctant reader, there could be something more going on. However, as a culture right now, we're seeing a lot of this, um, I don't like to read. And I will say, I know that our kids went through this phase as well. And when they got to high school and college, they were definitely reading again. And many, and a few of them who didn't like to read ever when they were younger are now avid readers. So I would say we got to pan out, pan back, and... Um, just take a deep breath and see this as developmental or a, 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 um, a, a moment in time, but also be aware if there could be an underlying learning issue at play. That is an enlightening answer. And, and I also think it's comforting to hear that some of this is of the day of where we are kind of currently culturally. I'd like to add that reading happens in more ways than one. And so mm. I do think that the traditional picking up a book or the more modern using a Kindle, that of course is a type of reading. But if your child is looking at scores online and reading sports stories, um, even if it's a digital newspaper, or if you are one of the few who still loves print and you get a newspaper uh, at your home or you get a weekly community newspaper where there, there might be current events or little listings, those are methods that 
are allowing our kids to read. So they're also reading their social media. And it just may be that they're temporarily rejecting the tradition of, you know, what might appear as boring and not cool picking up a book. But it does feel like a kind of a passing phase. And I think they are reading. Just yes. That's, that's an observation. And if there is an issue, whether it's dyslexia or a learning um, challenge, there are other ways that children can access reading. And, you know, one of them is audiobooks. You know, there are other ways to read. Right. Read with your ears. Very popular these days. And think of all the adults that you know that say, oh, I read this book, I read this book, or I read this book on the way to this. They're not reading, they're listening. Like right. people now listen to books and say, I read the book, right? right? So we, the, the cult, it's changing. Life. Things are changing. It's changing. So yep. Um, yep. That's, I, I thought that was a cool question, though, yep. to hear you answer, because I didn't think about the bit of maybe there is some underlying issue. And, and this is more of the kid rejecting it because they can't do it. So going into question number four. And we are approaching all kinds of holidays. Um, any advice for a big family with very divided politics over very different generations on how to handle family gatherings and make them peaceful, meaning the holidays, New Year's, et cetera? Oh, back to those. What do we not talk about at the dinner table or cocktail parties or family get-togethers? I believe it is, isn't it? Uh, politics, religion, and sex. Those are the, those famous ones. Okay. Right. Well, this is um, this is actually really common, and I would say it's important to talk to your kids about different family members and different family members' um, behaviors, which are usually pretty consistent. Even when some family members' behaviors are inconsistent, they are consistently inconsistent. Like, there's not a lot of surprises at these family holiday gatherings of who's going to say this, who's going to act like this, who's going to do that. And so I would talk about this with your kids, um, whether it's coming up and you're talking about the wars that are happening right now or the political climate is really what is our point? Like, where is the line that you feel you will have to say something just out of um, respect to yourself and maybe who, how you feel is respect to a group of other people who you feel might be marginalized in certain comments. And where is something that you can let go because we know where it's going to go into a debate or um, something much more uncomfortable, which often happens at these uh, events in these situations. So I would say talk about it and ask the family how you and your kids, how do you want to handle it? And what is worth the conflict and the potential bad ending to a night? Because again, you know who these people are, you know what they're usually going to say, and you know whether or not to bring something up or to let something go. And depending on your kid's age and your kid's personality and your kid's um, beliefs in uh, justice or what, what they feel is right, it might be hard for them to keep their mouth shut in certain situations, depending on what family members are saying. So I, I say it's like you talk it through and you try to have a game plan and talk through what will happen if you don't say something, what will happen if you do say something, what are the different types of ways of responding from like a light to medium to strong response. And often you can get a lot of this worked out 
ahead of time and then um, breathe deeply and realize you cannot control everything and um, things are going to play out. Right. So have a game plan. And I I do like the idea of being honest with your children about Mm -hmm. you've seen this before or, you know, this is not new. And also, you know, that, you know, again, I'll conjure my family just as an example, but you know, you know that dad and I believe X, Y, and Z, and this might come up from this relative and we don't agree with that, but we are going to choose to have a peaceful gathering rather than right. have a debate. But right. us not taking that on is a deliberate choice. It is not us compromising our values, but rather putting the good of everyone uh, kind of into the picture and that 18 yep. people gathered for a holiday may not be the time to take that person on if we want everyone to leave with yep. a good memory or this is a rare occasion that everyone's together. But we want you to know going in that we, we are not ever going to agree with that opinion or that statement or that point of view. Yes. Is that healthy? Yes. To say in advance? Okay. It Absolutely. Great. Well, we've tackled many things and we're going to end on just by random questions I've shuffled into the mix, New Year's Eve. And now we're in high school. My high school daughter wants to have a sleepover party for New Year's Eve this year. We suspect that some kids might try to bring vaping stuff. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. what we can define stuff later. Yeah. We want to trust our daughter, but are unsure how to handle this because she is our only child. Yes. Yeah, so I remember a podcast that we had a great one with Jessica Leahy and her book, The Inoculation. Uh, wait, The Addiction Inoculation. Yeah. There it is. I'm looking at it. Orange right there. The Addiction yes. Inoculation. And basically what one of the th- many wise things she said is, it's not that you can stop all this from happening, but you can make it clear what your stance is about it. Um and not make it easy to do in a sense. Like people will sneak this stuff in, but it doesn't mean that you're just complicit with it. So in this situation, um, which we have been in in many, uh, many times in our parenting, is really to talk about what our values are and what's okay with us and not okay. And so in our house, we'd be like, we're not the party house. So we can support your friends being over here but this is not a particularly a New Year's Eve night. This is not a place where people are going to be vaping, where people are going to be drinking, where people are going to be smoking weed. And right. um, that's something that you might want to tell your kids. And you can get like, well, hey, I don't want to be like that, that person. And well, if you don't want to be that person, well, then you have a choice of um, not having people over. But if you want to have people over, you need to be very clear that's not going to happen at our house. And um, we're, we're going to be around because we're responsible for you and we're responsible for all of the other minors who are at our house. And it's just not okay. It's not healthy. Now, it's not to say that you're, you're, you're not making a necessarily like a value judgment. Like you're not trying to alienate your child. You're basically setting a boundary of what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. So then your child can decide how she's going to handle it. And depending on how she's going to handle it, then you could decide whether you're comfortable having people come over. Right. So right. Um, there are times when 
you know, kids say, well, I don't want you to call the other parents to see if they're going to be there. And we might say, well, okay, then we're not comfortable with you being there. And well, that's lame. That's just going to embarrass me. I totally get that. But under these circumstances, this is how we feel more comfortable. So it's like you got to just draw this line because being the cool, permissive parent when it comes to partying, it doesn't usually bode well over the long haul. And the research shows it doesn't bode well over the long haul. And bad things can happen. So it's really about you drawing your boundary about what's okay and not okay for your family and particularly in your household. While having empathy, that it puts your child in an uncomfortable situation because it is vaping is super common. Like lots of kids are doing it. So you don't want to dig your head. You don't want to like be completely out of touch. You want to acknowledge that, but it doesn't mean that you condone it. I'm glad you mentioned Jessica's book because um, there are a lot of great important lessons in there and a lot of research. I also want to just add to the conversation based on experience in my work life. There is something called social host law. And that is another level of, you know, when you are having underage or illegal activities happening with substances in your house, as the parents, you are the responsible parties. I'm not a lawyer. And I only know this from having worked um, with some authors on a book project where this mm. came up. And, you know, once you kind of hear about this, it's in your line of vision, I would say. Yes. And so I do see pretty regularly, you know, articles and stories about major issues with social host laws of those cool party allowing parents. It does not right. end well. Um, and then the statistics about use and abuse also right. roll into that. So I do think, um, yeah. And this is a conversation you can tell your young people, your young daughter, be happy we're having this now before your guests are here. And, you know, I'm walking down into the basement and smelling things right. or hearing somebody try to hide an alcohol, right. alcoholic beverage. And I think it is a little bit of a rite of passage for all of these high school teenagers that there's going to come a time where right they are in the position to be the host and it might right. not align with what their right. parents expect right and if you have set a good foundation of communication and honesty and trust right. it's kind of a really good moment of that two-way street yes and it's normal for kids that age to experiment it just and and we need to you know be aware of that it just doesn't mean you you condone it as a parent. <laughs> that's 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 the right. difference. And yeah. the other thing, this is not in the question, but I wonder too. There are circumstances of peer pressure, right? Oh, of course. And of course. like, oh, you know, we yep. could probably get it past your parents, so you're the one having the sleepover. Um, you know, things could come out in a conversation with your daughter that maybe she doesn't even want to host because she she has an awareness that yes, this could be what's being packed into the overnight bags. But yes. um, yeah, it is, it's completely yes. ca common, at least in, in my group of friends and moms, that this is something that everyone's had to deal with in their own yes. way. And yes. New Year's is a very loaded. It's a very loaded one. Holiday, right? Yes, it's kind very of loaded. Like, yes. Let's party. The thing you got to party. party. Yes. So meanwhile, yeah. when everyone gets older, yes. <laughs> some of us don't want to party or they want to do a different version of a party, yes. you know, like a dinner party. So, yes. <laughs> this is great. We kind of started and ended on boundaries, which I, I love that there we was did. synergy between question number one and number five, and it's brought it full circle. Yes.
So before we sign off, which we are going to do, um, I noticed something on your sweatshirt there. I see a my see a my which usually oh look at that oh subliminal advertising okay people everyone. don't remember yes. that we're part of the exactly yes. right network and our yes. favorite true crime a podcast. shout out my favorite murder the flagship podcast of our, our me our parent company <laughs> exactly right uh exactly right Thank media looks good Learning look at that much. Always wearing the merch. Right. You noticed just from the Mai. Just from the Mai. I I know the font. I know the font. Well, you know, we we love crossover moments with the Exactly Right Network. And this was just a really organic, cool one. (laughs) Just natural. Just natural. Very natural. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Well, thank you, Laura. Always fun. Thank you, Phil, from back there. And um, everyone, thanks for sending your questions. We love them. Keep sending them. You all know where to find us. You can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear all of our bonus episodes and our podcasts ad-free. You know where to find our regular episodes, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, dropping every Thursday. And our new bonus episodes drop the last Tuesday of each month, all in your regular feed. You can follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on X at Dr. Dan Peters and of course our website, www.drdampeters.com. We thank you for your reviews, your five-star reviews. They mean a lot to us. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself that question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.